This is Billy Carson with ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Forbidden Knowledge TV has just reached its one-year anniversary. That's right, one year. And as a show of appreciation, we are giving all new subscribers a free 30-day trial of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's 30 days to binge watch thousands of movies, documentaries, conferences, workshops, lectures, yoga classes, meditation courses, and so much more. So log on to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv from your computer or mobile device or get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play today and use coupon code 30DAYSFREE. That's coupon code 30 days free on ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today. Hey guys, Billy Carson here, Forbidden Knowledge. Do you like my podcast? Well, guess what? Anchor.fm gave me this podcast for free. They give you creation tools that allow you to edit and create your podcast right on your phone or your computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly into your podcast. It's almost like having your own radio show. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you to Apple, Spotify, and many, many more. So go ahead and get started with Anchor.fm today. Mars. How much do we really know about this little red planet? Our special guest today has spent countless hours analyzing thousands of photos and anomalies of what we now call the red planet. But is it really red like we see on the surface? Or could it be that someone or something is hiding the real truth from us? What if we could breathe there? Could a native species already be living there? And what do we know about the third alternative and breakaway civilization? Could super-advanced 3D printing create life-sustaining tools on Mars? Let's find out right now on The Edge of Wonder. guys we're with an awesome guest right now billy carson from forbiddenknowledge.com with the number four and we just finished with our series with waking the collective with um busy gold who sponsored this whole thing and it was a kind of a small group of people that Mm -hmm. we got together and just kind of shared our experience and kind of see where we can go from here. And actually it was a really, really amazing weekend. I think yeah. all of us had. It was, it was amazing. I was, I was so glad to be a part of it. Billy, let's get into this. Um, me a little bit one about of the what things that you were talking about was this really weekend, gonna be about. I was like, wow, I just kind of looking forward to, to getting A lot of new information if I can that Rob totally blew it yeah. yeah. on some people this that was, are really looking for some information. It looked like meticulous, like you you really had to like dig to find this stuff and it was yeah. really fun to watch you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun actually. <clears throat> so tell us a little bit about this new information that you know. Mm-hmm. I mean you were my gosh, you went in so many things. So why don't yeah. I'll just let you talk. Well Mars, you know, at the end of the second uh, uh, presentation I went to the Mars anomalies, which were really like anomalies in our solar system. 
because um, I showed a couple of the planets as well. But but Mars primarily has the majority of the anomalies because we've sent the most rovers and space probes to Mars. We've literally spent trillions, we as a civilization on Earth, spent trillions of dollars sending probes and rovers to Mars and satellites as well. And um, we've come back with well over a million images. And luckily, due to the Freedom of Information Act that was kind of really forced on NASA because they weren't really giving these images out, we were able to finally start to begin years ago to start downloading these images and analyzing them. Um, so it's a group of us, 14 of us all together, that we've come together in this group called the United Family of Anomaly Hunters. And we literally analyze them. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great group. I mean, these people are like, I started doing my anomaly hunting and then I started bumping into a few others that were really serious about finding these anomalies on these other, plan other planets. And I said, we need to just join forces, become one group under one umbrella so that can we can really maximize our efforts and get this information out to the public. And that's exactly what happened. So out of a million, one hundred thousand images, we got about 58,000 anomalies. I mean, do you get tired looking at all of those images? Oh. Because like, man, it's so hard because, you know, some of the images that you were showing, uh, we'll show some right now yeah. that, you know, you have to kind of like, it's not like they, these things just appear. I mean, right. everything's the same monotone color mm -hmm. and you really have to get in there and study stuff before you yeah. start seeing some of these weird things. I mean, what, right. what was that like for you guys? It's a little bit of a process. So the first thing you do is when you pull down an image off the server, you bring it into your photo software so that you can magnify it. The, the best tool to use is a real old fashioned magnifying glass. Really? Yeah, better than the computer. Really? Yeah, you don't get that much distortion when you use a magnifying glass. And you can really just really analyze centimeter by centimeter by centimeter. It can take four or five, sometimes six hours, sometimes a couple days to really analyze one one photo image. That's yeah, one. you know, I, so I started doing it, you know, especially when we were working on the Mars episode. Mm -hmm. And just one image, and I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> this is like, I was like, "I don't have, we don't just have, we just don't have time for this." Yeah, it's very know? time consuming. What you're looking for is something that doesn't appear to fit in with the surrounding terrain. And when you find them, then you mark it, and you continue to go, and you mark, and you mark, and then you go back and you analyze all the ones that you think didn't fit in. Some of them are just rocks. Some of them are question marks, and some of them are things that you know what? There's geometry. Um, they, you know, they, they re resemble things that we think we recognize on Earth or something similar. So those are the ones that we, fo we, we focus on. So it kind of goes through this funneling process. Mm -hmm. From there, the next step is to take it into your image editor and just take away the contrast, take away the NASA false color. That's what we call it. They call it false color. Mm -hmm. Take away that red filter and then see what's there. And then when you think you have an anomaly, then we pass it on to each other and analyze. everybody analyzes it together so that we see, are we on the same page? Are we all assuming that this is something that appears to not belong? And then when we get that consensus, we catalog it. Okay, so Billy, you just mentioned the um, red tint that Na NASA is adding to the photos. Can, yeah. That's kind of strange to mention that. So can you tell me a little bit about the red, this red tint? Like, I thought Mars was red, or are they adding something to this? What is going on? They're making Mars more red. Mars is really not that red. A matter of fact, a lot of new images have come forward from NASA where they have not included the false color. Just really? recently, now that they've been talking about the water that they found, the 12,000 mile lake and all the tons of water, the billions of tons of liquid water now, they showed a, a mountain on a press release with water coming down the side of the mountain. So now they're starting to slowly disclose that Mars has liquid water, 
you know, and soon it's going to be probably microorganisms and so forth and so on as they're building up. But they, they've now taken away, but back at the time where mo most, of these, most of these images came in, they were really putting this false color filter on, claiming that it made it easier to transmit the images and take yeah. away shadows, but it made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and more it's probably too. harder for you guys to Much look harder. through those. I mean, yeah. Also, like, I saw a couple of these images that were of the normal color, and it actually didn't look much different than Earth terrain. I mean, it, it almost looked yeah. like it could be desert somewhere in um, Middle East, or, I mm -hmm. mean, in America, and Arizona, yeah, even. Yeah. Even Arizona or Santa, or Santa Barbara, California. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the color, the true color, they have some true color images now that you can download in, in high-quality JPEGs. And you literally are looking at a planet the way that we look at the sky is blue because of light, you know, the, the light basically uh, hits the atmosphere and does the same thing it does here, it scatters. And it gives you that blue effect. Because from the surface of Mars, the sky is blue. There's clouds, there's dew. So you can see the morning dew on the rover uh, from yeah. the images. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there's wind, there's rain, there's a complete water cycle yeah. on the planet. Now, before they were saying that there wasn't any, um, uh, any magnetic field, but now there's a magnetic field. Interesting. Uh, and now because, even though it's not as strong as Earth's magnetic field, but because of the spin of the planet on its axis and its orbit around the sun, it creates something called bow shock. So this bow shock bends cosmic rays around the planet, not allowing so much radiation to get to the surface. So based on the science data that's come back, if you're only three feet away from the surface, it's actually breathable. Whoa. Really? Yeah. So people could breathe on Mars then. That's right. So actually, that actually raises another question is, um, you know, and there was that movie with Matt Damon when he was in Mars. Um, um, the Martian. The Martian. He had, like, you could tell that the suits that they had on were, like, much less uh, than the huge astronaut right. suit. Do you think that that's accurate? Would you need something like that still, or could you just walk yeah. out and start breathing air? You would need an acclimation time period. And I believe that just based off some of the science data that comes from the REMS, uh, data from satellite transmission back to Earth um, that it's probably more like being 15 or 16,000 feet above sea level on Earth. So there's a, probably an acclimation period. At certain times it will drop to, you know, very cold temperatures, but in the summer it could be 98 degrees at the equator. Really? really? Wow. This yeah. is real science data that's come back. It's even, you know, it's on uh, official sites. So this is real science data. So, and, and there was a, a newspaper clipping that came out that said that Detroit and Michigan last winter was warmer than Mars. Wow. That's in, in the winter. Yeah. Uh, so what's happening is this disclosure is coming forward and it really starting to break down. And um, I believe that if you're on Mars and you go through acclimation period, at some point you might be able to breathe if you're very close to the surface. So um, one other thing I want to bring up is recently it looked like there was an actual volcano that erupted on mm -hmm. Mars. Yeah. Now, of course, NASA the smoke was coming out. Yeah, itself, I mean, right? yeah. NASA was saying it was an ice cloud, but and I, this happened to form right over the biggest volcano <laughs> that is on Mars, and it literally spanned for pretty much a quarter of of mm -hmm. Earth or of, of Mars, the distance of it was like a quarter of the planet right. that that the smoke went out to. Um, what's your interpretation of what's happening there? I believe that there's real geological activity on Mars. When you analyze the Mars equator, you discover that the planet has apparently had two pole shifts. So one pole shift probably happened if you look at the enumulation, the seven types of creation, when you go into the fact that you're talking about Mars being a moon of this other planet named Tiamat, which collided with a rogue planet that came through our solar system in ancient times, billions of years ago. Mm -hmm. But what happened was the side, that was the side of Mars that was facing this planet, which is now the asteroid belt, 
a lot of that debris hit Mars, and that's why one side of Mars is charred and the other side is very smooth. Interesting. If you really analyze it, you see it's like, wow, it's like, you know, it's like half is charred and half is smooth, and you realize that the, probably the weight of that debris tilted the planet, caused a global mm -hmm. flood, caused, uh, um, you know, a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. But then I believe the planet began to heal and come back. But when you look into now other ancient records from Earth, you start to hear about Mars being the god of war. And some of the material that we went over tonight about the Atlanteans, I truly believe that this um, pyramid war that occurred in those times, which is kind of even talked about in the Mahabharata, the Bhagavad Gita, some of the other ancient texts, all keep mentioning this sky war that was going on. These Atlanteans or these Anunnaki people were uh, not global, but also interplanetary. And I believe it stemmed from Earth to the moon to Mars and maybe even beyond mm -hmm. in our solar system in ancient times, but that there really was a war between these fashions and uh, factions, and um, I believe that Mars got the worst of it. Wow. Uh, but there's still geological activity going on there right now. The planet is trying to make another comeback. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Do you wonder? Do you wonder? Do you wonder? What about right now? Like, what's going on Mars right now? I mean, uh, do you believe that there's people on there? Yeah. Is there, um, you know, is there is there an actual? Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Breakaway civilization. Break it up. Well, breakaway life civilization, colonies, and actually native species like that are. Good question. I truly believe that number one, there is a native species still on the planet right now. Uh, just based off of some of the data and the images we've analyzed, you saw some tonight. There's one that looks like some type of a golemish thing. Yeah, these these things Troll are thing. very trolly looking, strange looking entities. Now, they could just be rocks, they could be statues, or they could be... Troll-looking weird things. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing about them is, why are they looking... They're always looking at the camera. Yeah. So no matter what angle a rover is in, or you know, it, it's always like the heads are turned and, you know... Well, and how many so of those photos so did you find of those things? Because I saw maybe three tonight where yeah. it looked like they were actually a species of some kind of thing and they had recognizable features across all three of those photos they have dozens yeah they have really dozens of them wow yeah and then we have some statues or things that look like statues i can't say that they are but they appear to be they've made it to tv they made it to ancient aliens and other newscasts as well um and then we have things that look like vehicles a lot of vehicles believe it or not um some that look more advanced than what we have here and some that look less advanced than what we have. Billy, I saw a couple that looked like either like tents or almost like boxy mm -hmm. kind of architectural or yeah. some kind of... Uh, like dilapidated mobile homes. Yeah, like exactly right. actually. Yeah, like dilapidated yeah. mobile homes. You can tell that that structure looks like it had a mud flow that happened. Uh, maybe it was caught in a mudslide or a mud flow or a complete flood and it just ended up stopping on top of that big boulder. But it definitely has geometry, 90 degree angles. Uh, things that we can recognize here on Earth as windows and doors and so forth. So if it's a rock, it's very strange looking. That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> so what about the breakaway civilizations yeah. and what's really going on in Mars like right now today? Yeah. What do you think? There's a book that came out uh, a long time ago in the 60s called Alternative 3. Very hard oh, book to find. Yes. You have Alternative 1 was in case the Earth was uh, going to be overpopulated and, and so forth that they would... Um, try to, you know, destroy all the debris and everything else by blowing up a nuke yeah. in the atmosphere and letting all the all the um, pollution out. That was just a bad idea. A terrible um, idea. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I know. Uh, another was to try to reduce the population. Another was to also have a breakaway civilization and go to Mars. Mm -hmm. 
that was the number one choice. And I truly believe that it occurred. Police officers were coming forward uh, in the 70s that were going to people's houses that were claiming to be missing. Prominent people, you know, physicists, rocket scientists, geneticists, biologists, anthropologists, missing. Some left letters behind literally saying, I left the planet for a better life. Some even abandoned their own children. Uh, and then you look at also a lot of the missing children cases. The number's consistent almost every single Man. year. And I think yes. that it's very possible, I'm not saying for sure, that some of these people, these kids, end up uh, on another planet and breakaway civilization doing a lot of the uh, the grunt work. I was going to say, they, some people call them slaves, yeah. slavery. Right. slavery. So, and, and we just did a series on um, missing kids, mm -hmm. you know, especially in national parks, because mm -hmm. there is tons of missing yeah. kids. Missing, it doesn't have to be kids, it's just people. people. So many people missing in national parks. Yeah. And the U.S. government has no keeps no record yeah. on the people missing. Yeah. And I know Corey Good is one of the people that have come out and talk has talked about mm. that this exactly what you said. Oh, wow. Some of these people have been taken. Could be um, one scenario is that you know sex trafficking, yeah. human trafficking, and off-world stuff as yeah. well. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So I really believe that they're they're helping build the infrastructure. You have the uh, the guy in Japan, the businessman in Japan, who's doing the 3D printed houses. I think he can print 10 to 12 houses a day. That technology, there's something very similar, an anomaly that's kind of very similar on Mars. And I think that they're using this regolith that's already on Mars, theirs, the soil and everything else, and using it to 3D print um, houses. So, I, like, why? I, I mean, I understand some of this, but why do you think they would hide this information from us. I mean, what what good does it do to hide the fact that we have the technology to be there, that there's trillions of dollars missing from the different government institutions? Mm -hmm. But obviously, if you look into that, there's just a lot of questions. Like, why hide that from us? There's 7.5 billion people on Earth, and if they discover that there may be a geological disaster, a collapse of economic systems, or just a general uh, worldwide situation that would cause us to maybe be exterminated, and a certain amount of people have the ability to get out of here. Everybody's gonna to wanna to get out of here. Like, why is he getting ahead of me? Why am I not getting picked, but that person's getting picked? They want a very specific bloodline to continue. And this is what I had talked to Laura Eisenhower about before, because she had talked about being recruited to Mars. That's Dwight D. Eisenhower's great-granddaughter. And she was almost kind of really exercised from the family because of coming up with this information. Uh, put herself in jeopardy with her own family, but she sticks to it that they recruited her to go to Mars in 2006. They actually sent the handler after her, and she, it was like, I'm going to be your boyfriend. She actually really did fall in love with this guy, but he, he had a covert operation. That was his job, to get her to fall in love with him until he could convince her to go to Mars, and he, she wouldn't go. But the fact remains that not only her, but other people now, a lot of people have come forward and admitted that there's probably a breakaway civilization there, and maybe even we were already there in a very small group when Kennedy said, we want to go to the moon. Man. Interesting. Yeah, yeah we, we love Laura Eisenhower. She's been on the show so many times and she's talked about these kinds of situations mm. too. So it's, it's just, she's incredible yeah. and her story is really powerful. But real quick, I want to go, kind of go back. So mm. you said 3D printing houses yeah. on Mars. Oh, Can yeah. you go a little bit more into that? Because you said that I was like, <laughs> what? Okay. We have become so advanced with 3D printing now. I mean, we can 3D print. Lungs, guns. brains, hearts, guns. Uh, a friend of mine that was a business partner in a, in a project that I did, which, which was Underground Base, 
he lived in an underground shelter that the United States military um, had owned. Uh, and he basically told me about a 3D printer that can print an entire Jeep. Every part, every wire harness, wow. every bolt, every screw, every nut, everything needed to literally put a Jeep together and drive out of the shelter was down there. Wow. So now we've got them on the space stations. So if something happens on the space station, no more shipping, sending another rocket ship up. We can just create the tool and create the part and fix it ourselves. But hang on a sec, you said hearts and veins. So mm -hmm. do you, if, are these like organic? Organic, biological, so material 3D printed. So are they 3D printing people? Well, what I've heard is um, I don't know, but <laughs> if you can think it, they've probably done it. <laughs> well, what I've heard is that they can actually use your own DNA to re, like, so for yeah. example, if you need something, they can use your own DNA or mm -hmm. 3D print along with What they'll do is they'll take a skin cell mm -hmm. and then they'll turn that skin cell into a stem cell. No, no more need for embryos. From that point then, they can create a certain amount of material, uh, whatever they call it specifically in science, I don't know what they call that material, but then from there they put it into this lathe and they make this uh, 3D model of whatever you need. And they can convert that cell into a heart muscle, into a leg muscle, into a nerve, into whatever you need. Even into a kidney cell. That's incredible. Yeah. So, so how long does it take to 3D print like a home, for example? Like it only takes a couple hours. A couple hours. To 3D print the house. And these must be pretty big printers. I mean, yeah, it's a big printer. Huge, right? Matter of fact, the gentleman that owns this company, I'm sure you put a quick shot, snapshot of yeah. the freedom of information or whatever, fair, fair use, is he actually even printed his own warehouse, which is a big warehouse. <clears> but <throat> the machine is pretty big. And it can literally print these houses. It takes a regolith, and even if you want to use garbage, whatever you're using, it takes it, it turns it into this paste, and it literally just makes this design, and it just fills up. It even leaves holes for electric so sockets, outlets, and windows and My doors. Goodness. And boom, 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 you just drop a roof on top, it's done, you move on to the next one. Wow. wow. So what's going to happen is Elon Musk is going to go to Mars ahead of everybody else. Uh, he's already in you know agreements with NASA, and um, he's going to you know, have the, the tin cans out front and they're gonna wave at the camera, but when the cameras go off, they're gonna go behind the hill and they're gonna live like kings. Fairly confident that we can complete the ship and be ready for a launch in about five years. Five years seems like a long time to me. Yeah. The area under the curve of, of resources over that period of time should enable this time frame to be met, um, but if not this time frame, I think pretty soon thereafter. Uh, but that's, that's, our, that's our goal is to try to, um, make the 2022 uh, Mars rendezvous. Um. There's not, billionaires are not gonna leave this planet and all the creature comforts of this planet and being served and waited on hand and foot all these years to go live in a tin can. No, for sure. But with Elon Musk, you were talking about, I mean, there's a lot of discussions about Elon Musk, the different kinds of things that he's doing. He's, you know, he's got the boring company now. He's producing rockets when no one said they could do that. He has technology for cars that He's pushing everything really. And the batteries. And the batteries. He's too. doing the best he can do. Yeah. But he still has handcuffs. I mean, there's only so much he can right. do. Right. He's gone ahead of a lot of people. I but, give him credit. But do you think that he's tied into these organizations more than we're all aware of? Like, what's your perspective on him? Well, he probably has signed an agreement with NASA just like India had to sign an agreement. India only raised $3 million and sent the whole probe to NASA. I mean, to, to Mars. Mm. Uh, and the same probe would have cost us probably $30 million or more. So as soon as they did that and sent back a color image of the planet with blue skies and, and water and everything else in the true color, NASA visited him immediately and made him sign an agreement. And then they deleted the image and put up an image with the red filter on it. Ah, red filter. Right back at that. Very yeah. interesting. So, I mean, I'm sure that he's 
doesn't want to be maybe totally in bed with them, but because they control space, the military industrial complex, if you want your mission to arrive at its destination yeah. without getting blown up, you've got to agree to certain things. Oh, for sure. Well, if your mind hasn't been blown yet, make sure to tune in next week for part two with Billy Carson, where we talk about, that's right, emerald tablets and what made Billy the man he is today. Plus, here's a special teaser on our next series just for you, only on the edge of wonder. 150 years in the making. The ultimate evil specter. Lies, hatred, and struggle. Traditions destroyed. The Deep State's Cult, Communism. Coming March 2019. Pop my peas and blast my bees and twang my teas, man. It's awful for me. It really is. It's like fingers on a chalkboard. I think I narrate my own life even when this thing isn't rolling. (laughs) Speaking of the, the last live feed, narrating... I could narrate people's lives. I was like, would somebody pay for that? (laughs) Hey, everyone. This is Billy Carson, also known as Forbidden Knowledge. If you haven't done so, please check out my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. It's currently a bestseller on Amazon.com. You can look it up. Compendium of the Emerald Tablets by Billy Carson. In this book, I break down the metaphysical, quantum physics, esoteric wisdom of Thoth the Atlantean. This information was written eons ago, and I've taken my time to break down all of the information in a way that everyone can understand it. So please check it out. Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. If you're into learning about the true ancient history and ancient civilizations, you have to read my book. This is Billy Carson with ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Forbidden Knowledge TV has just reached its one year anniversary. That's right. One year, and as a show of appreciation, we are giving all new subscribers a free 30-day trial of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's 30 days to binge-watch thousands of movies, documentaries, conferences, workshops, lectures, yoga classes, meditation courses, and so much more. So log on to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv from your computer or mobile device, or get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play today, and use coupon code 30DAYSFREE. That's coupon code 30 days free on ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today.